This week, I'm going to talk about a study making the rounds in the media about genetic mutations. I'm labeling it, quote unquote, what you need to know, because that seems to be a pretty popular introduction to the news this week. For example, every news headline describing the parole hearing of O.J. Simpson in Nevada ends with what you need to know, like we all need to be educated on the details of O.J. Simpson's parole hearing. So naturally, I decided to name this podcast accordingly. You've heard a lot about de novo mutations. These are the mutations that are seen in people with autism, but not their mother or father. The mutation is probably in the egg and the sperm of the mother and father. Sperm is somewhat easier to study than eggs, but neither of these are rarely done. In fact, I know of maybe one autism study that's looking at sperm and none that are looking at eggs. It's a lot harder and very invasive for women to donate eggs to research. Women who have stored eggs and then later have a child with autism may be one source to study, but we're not there yet. So anyway, scientists have mostly assumed that the mutations arise from the sperm and the egg and are not seen in the blood of the parents and can affect every cell in the body. So these mutations present very early when the sperm and the egg meet, that time that the first cell, the zygote, is formed. But there's another type of de novo mutation that hasn't been able to be understood until recently when whole exome sequencing technologies became available through cheaper costs and faster protocols. These type of mutations are called post-zygotic, meaning they're not seen in the mother or the father, and they're also not seen in every cell in the body, only certain cells. These post-zygotic mutations happen when the zygote, which is that sperm and egg cell, starts to duplicate over and over again, eventually forming an embryo. Because they don't happen in every cell in the body, they're harder to detect. They're a mutation that arises through the replication of cells into the embryo. So you need thousands, and specifically 6,000 samples and whole exome sequencing to understand them. You can breathe a sigh of relief. This is the end of the sex ed portion of the ASF podcast. These type of mutations, since they're not seen in every cell, are called mosaic. In a 2015 study at Boston Children's Hospital, Christopher Walsh looked at brains of individuals with autism and found these mosaic mutations in the brain. This is frankly the most important region to study these mosaic mutations, and if there was a mutation in the brain that is missed in the blood, we'd obviously want to know about it. While he's still continuing his research into the brains of people with autism, Time marches on, and three major genetics consortium, the Simon Simplex Consortium, the Autism Speaks Missing Project, and the Autism Sequencing Consortium did their own independent analyses of the blood of the entire genomes of 6,000 families with autism to look for these mosaic mutations. They found that about 7.5% of the de novo mutations seen, and again, these are mutations that are not seen in the mother or the father, were mosaic. This means they only appeared in some cells, and they wouldn't be passed down because they are only in some cells, not every cell. I should also mention that whole exome sequencing is better than other technologies to find these mutations, but it isn't the be-all, end-all. There's probably better technologies out there or could be developed. But what was also interesting is across these three cohorts, the numbers of the de novo post-zychotic mutations were similar. So that kind of tells you something about the prevalence of these post-psychotic mutations in people with autism. So, okay, the mutations were there, but were they in autism genes? What genes? 
Turns out they were in autism risk genes. For example, SCN2A, which is a gene that I've gone so far into highlighting, it got its own podcast. It's a sodium channel gene, which lets sodium into neurons, meaning they turn brain cells on or they turn brain cells off. There are also some new genes identified. But to me, the most important question was, if they don't show up in all cells, what cells do they show up in? Using a brain tissue atlas as a guide, the researchers determined that many of these mutations occurred in genes which have to do with the development of the amygdala. The amygdala is a key area in autism. It controls emotion, fear, anxiety, and a lot of emotional memory. It makes sense that the amygdala was affected. I bet that if you also looked at actual human brain tissue, you would see these mutations in areas like the cortex as well. But you need brains of people who had autism to do that. And Dr. Walsh and the Autism Brain Net are collaborating to make sure that this happens. Why am I including it in this podcast? Why is it important for parents to know? Parents who are not planning on having any more children are commonly worried about whether or not their children are at risk of having a child affected with autism. I'm not trying to give anyone family planning advice, and I suggest nobody take family planning advice from me, but I will say that these post-psychotic mutations are unlikely to be passed down any further since they're only in a portion of cells. They're clinically important because the portion in which the de novo mutation is present in the patient, as well as the type of cells in which it occurs, may not only determine the clinical outcome, like autism, but it also may affect the risk of parents having another child with autism with the same disorder in future pregnancies. So this speaks to not only them having more children with autism, but their children having children with autism. Currently, patients with a child with a disease caused by a de novo mutation are counseled that the risk of recurrence due to the same mutation in another child is between 1 and 5%. I'm saying that's the number of a disease caused by a de novo mutation. Sibling risk for autism is higher. It's like 20%. But it's possible that a percentage of that may be because of these recurrent de novo mutations. Since some of autism may be the result of a post-zygotic mutation, The recurrence risk due to a post-psychotic mutation is going to be extremely low. So that 20% probably mostly has to do with other factors. Relevant to clinical symptoms, in this large study, sometimes you have to give a little precision to increase sample size. In other words, not every one of the people with autism in this sample had their IQs tested. The researchers got what they got and they don't get upset. And this is why for new samples, it's important to get as much data as possible, even if it's a little bit more of a burden on families. Anyway, in their subset, they showed that individuals with post-zygotic mutations tended to have a higher IQ. This kind of makes sense because they're not in every cell in every part of the brain. This doesn't mean that you can predict the genetic makeup of a person based on their symptoms, but it does explain how genetics can influence autism outcome. Thanks for listening this week.